Hello, and welcome to Knoll Country for Old Men. We're a podcast about board games, tabletop war games, and tabletop role-playing games. And today, we're talking about orcs. Orcs, 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 orcs. Yeah. A classic fantasy monster. A staple of the genre. A occasionally questionable choice. Um, I'd say the best fantasy uh, monster slash species. I mean, I think dragons would disagree with you there. No. There's not a dragon called, like, orcs and... I don't know, what, what's a... What's a well, there thing is, that starts with O? There is one called All Orcs Must Die. Well, yeah, but, like, we have Dungeons and Dragons. We don't have, like, orcs and old ruins. Orcs and accordions. Wait, no, accordions starts with an A. Yeah. Like um, I said, it just does not fit. Orcs and organs. It's walking into an orc playing on a church organ. What, like a heart playing a church organ? Yes. Well, I suppose we should introduce ourselves and our differing opinions on orcs. I'm the host, I'm Troy. Uh, my pronouns are he, him. My name's Ed. Uh, my pronouns are they and them. Insert an orc joke here, because I don't, I don't have any off the top of my head at the moment. Um, something about your pronouns being Wog and Daka? That works. I like that one. More and Daka? Yep. But before we get into our subject in great detail, we have a segment on this podcast called The Week in Hobby. I'll go first. I played a couple of D&D games. Um, run a couple of D&D games, I should say. In one of them... The party is on their way to kill the Warlock's patron, which is going to be tricky. They've gathered some materials. They've gathered a specifically a knife that is capable of uh, killing him and actually keeping him dead because he's a fae. And uh, yeah, it's a weapon that'll kill somebody from another dimension and make sure they actually die. And they've located the location they have to go to in order to like summon him to the world and not have him have his own powers um so they had to delve into an eldritch grove forest and deal with the guardian that i described as a twisted uh dragon that's been warped by fey magic it was a jabberwock <laughs> they were not prepared for a jabberwock nobody's ever prepared for the jabberwock yeah um the jaws the jabberwock the claws or the jabber catch. run um, beware the Jabberwock, my son. Um, I also tweaked it a little. It gave it some legendary actions, gave it, uh, the fun, um, uh, changed its eye attack, the fiery eyes that it officially has in D&D, where it just does fire damage. I made that a random <laughs> thing, where you nice. roll a d10 to see what kind of, uh, elemental damage it does. Um, so the party got hit with cold and lightning. As it Ow. managed to get the eye beams off twice. Um, which was pretty sweet. Laser it's cold and hot at the same time. Well, it did it twice. So the first one was cold, I think, is it fired beams of cold from its eyes. And then the second one, it fired lightning bolts from its eyes. Weird-ass monster. 
Yeah. Uh, the party did eventually kill it uh, without getting the Vorpal Sword out of the stone that was in the lake. Boo. Because I like combining all my references. Uh, although when they did afterwards dig out, like, working all of them as a team to pull the sword out because none of them could roll well on a strength check even with, uh, like, advantage... Uh, they discovered that it, the blade was kind of broken off a little. Oops. So it's a Vorpal short sword. <laughs> um, it's missing like the last foot or so of the blade length. Uh, the other group descended into the other crystal of evil shenanigans that they had and uh, fought the cold and heat related monsters. The like fire and ice demons that were inside it which had a cool thing where every turn it would flip the map and the one of them would disappear and the other would reappear um so they'd go back and forth between fighting the fire one and the ice one um until they got them both down to low hit points at which point they were both around and both acting at the same time which was much more dangerous oh boy um they did manage to defeat them pretty handily uh the party is well protected from fire damage, I should say, uh, between the, like, tiefling who gets resistance to it, the barbarian who has resistance to everything, and the, um, other players who can cast resist elements. Boo. Too much uh, resistance. Yeah, so elemental damage doesn't do as much as you might think, and fire damage in particular is weak, weak to them. When they had to face the lightning and thunder monster in the previous one, they got real messed up because, well, very few people have innate resistance to lightning. Unless, so, uh, unless you can get like a six foot uh, earth grounding rod and just drag it behind your character, you're kind I mean, of out certain, of luck. Certain dragonborn are the only ones that get it. Um, so they they took a lot of. A lot of hits from the lightning one. Um, then, having done that, they headed to investigate the last location where they believed one of these sealing crystals that held the magical power of this ancient demonic overlord was. Only to arrive and get questioned by the police as to why they're there, because uh, the the whole temp the whole monastery of the the Brotherhood of the Chained Crystal was massacred uh, several days ago. And so now they're sneaking onto the crime scene to try and figure out what the hell happened and see if they can track down the um, person who did it and presumably stole the crystal. Did they uh, ask, am I being detained? They did not, because they weren't being detained. They were being, like, travel documents were being demanded of them as the, like, police force was on high alert. The paladins of the Flame Keep. And they didn't have any. Because for some reason, this, like, well-prepared adventuring party had never bothered to look at, like, buying travel documents in Eberron, which are quite cheap, comparatively. So they had to stall while the Artificer went and forged a set. Um, which did work out eventually, but they, they managed to get in, and two of them snuck into the monastery to observe the crime scene while the other two talked their way in pretending to be invest uh, investigators 
So now they're going to meet with and discuss things with the current, with the pair of, like, inquisitives is the Eberron term for them that are detectives uh, who are currently studying this. And then we'll see. Uh, they're probably going to track this down to the lair of the person who was responsible. Um, and then they'll find out that, uh, well, it, it's too late. The... The, the item has already been shipped away. Um, the fact that they spent, like, several extra weeks running around doing side quests effectively gave the bad guys time to pull off their plan and get this item. It's where you insert the sad trombone noise. Yeah, I mean, I never promised them that they would be able to get all of the side quest items. <laughs> side quests have consequences here. Yeah, it's, um, it can go, it, it can be rough. But at the same time, it's good for me because it means that they don't have to, well, they're not going to face the, uh, psychic and force damage realm, which means the boss monster at the end gets to use psychic and force damage. Or, sorry, no, it wasn't psychic and force damage. The boss monster was always going to have psychic and force damage. It's the holy and necrotic, the radiant and necrotic realm was the one here, um, which I think they will get, they'll probably get a chance to investigate the area where the crystal was held. And they can, in doing that, they can uh, learn that that's what the type of energies that it had were. Mm -hmm. Give them a heads up that that's an energy that they'll have to face. It's bad vibes, man. Yes, Gotta bad vibes crystals. indeed. Uh, the other war game game related thing I've been doing is playing Blood Bowl. One of us. Been, one of us. I got I caved in and got the the online version because it was cheap. Uh, it was on sale on Steam for like six bucks, and I was like, yeah, I can afford that. I can afford a six dollar game that lets me play Blood Bowl, and I have played a lot, and I have played mostly as Skaven. Boo. Yay! I have a terrifyingly good Skaven player now. It's disgusting as Rash should be. Lash cut the gutter runner. He's speed 10, dodge, block, uh, sure-footed, and um, what's the other one? Sidestep. Meaning like the I only said, way to knock him down disgusting. is a pow. And he just ignores pretty much everything else. He doesn't. He doesn't care. This is why we need ogres. He, again, he just wouldn't care. Um, also, he's so fast that they would never catch him. Um, he is very, very close to being able to score a one-turn touchdown himself with no additional assistance. Um, I say once again, boo! Yeah, he's great. He's my boy. Um, my, my special rat boy. I'm also joined a league with some friends and so we're doing that my first game for that is this tuesday so uh yeah go skaven no matter what a skaven team's gonna win it because it's a skaven mirror match oh boy um that's gonna be again disgusting i played a pr couple of practice mirror i've played at least one practice mirror match with skaven against uh the ai and i managed to win but I also didn't crank the AI difficulty up a real high, so we'll see. 
Yeah, the only the only downside to playing the uh, online version of the game is that the rules and the RNG can be kind of janky, even I mean, by the, Blood Bowl standards. The RNG is RNG. It's always going to... Anyone who complains about, oh, the RNG doesn't seem right on this game, it's RNG. You're pro- almost certainly, like, dealing with statistical anomalies and the uh, observer effect. Like, uh, observer bias. Stop observing me! You changed the outcome by looking at it. Um, That's not fair. <laughs> it, it's just that, oh, I see a weird things happen every time. Well, yeah, you notice them when they're weird. You don't notice them when they're normal. Observer bias. Ed, how about you, though? What's your weekend hobby been like? Uh, it hasn't really been much of a weekend hobby. For whatever reason, November and December just feels like video game season instead of hobby game season. So I've been playing more video games than doing anything else, particularly Monster Hunter, which I'm surprised I haven't seen an o- a ridiculously overpriced and poorly play-tested Kickstarter Monster Hunter game yet. Maybe there has been, and I just didn't notice. But, uh... Uh, yeah. Boo. Monster Hunter World, if... the board game. Oh. Uh, yeah. From Steamforged Games. Yeah. Uh, when did this one come out? No, no, I think it's supposed to be almost done, so. That sounds about right for Steamforged, because Monster Hunter Worlds came out a long time ago. Yeah. Um, they're one of those companies that anytime I see them advertising something, I'm like, you're going to have, like, one good element to this game, and the rest of it is going to be just kind of a cash grab. In this case, the models look dope. That's usually the one thing they do right, is they have really awesome-looking models. Yeah, Steamforged and Modifius Games, those are the two that I'm always just like, Ugh. Don't yeah, know with, how, how much I want to buy into your into your hype. With Modifius, it's nice that a lot of their games also come out regular and not just through Kickstarter. Also true. So you can get them later without having to wait two years. Yep. The only real hobby thing that I've been doing is uh, working on some printer stuff now that my printer's been fixed um, and I seem to have gotten the printing goo settings kind of dialed in. Been having relatively good luck. I've only had a couple of failures, which I think are just down to inadequate supports. Um, Finished up a small printing project for Infinity that they're kind of like, server slash computer things just sci-fi looking doodads and a uh, beagle wearing a full vr headset that i've named gibson he's the systems administrator for that Aww. computer system and he's a good boy yeah we'll find out how well my 3d printer runs when it's snowing outside today yeah that's uh that's gonna be interesting because generally when it starts to get like down into the 30s, the resin becomes too sludge-like for it to really work all that well. But the last couple of days when I was printing, it was also extremely cold and didn't seem to really have much of a problem. It seemed like I honestly had more 
problems with it when uh, it was very hot outside. Yeah, well, I mean, it is only in the, like, high 30s, low 40s right now. So, despite the snow, it's not super cold. So, been doing 3D printing and then trying to get my garage cleaned up and organized for GarageCon. GarageCon so 2023! So that my wife uh, doesn't feel like we're being judged for uh, ridiculous slobs or something. I don't know. It's mostly just remnants of moving in that need to get recycled and or otherwise destroyed, have a lot of fixtures and stuff that are going to get donated to like Habitat Humanity for that stuff. So mostly just working on the garage, trying to get ready for that. And at some point I should probably start working on some Gasland stuff. I still have the murder bus that needs to be murderized. Yeah, murder that bus. Yeah, I've got a lot of Gasland stuff that's just kind of sitting around just because I kind of collect it. So, I don't yeah, know. I maybe think... maybe one of these days I'll actually find the energy to do some proper hobby stuff. Just I think... not at the moment, seemingly. I think all my Gasland stuff is, like, done and in a box and good to use. Which that's... is a weird place to be in for any game I have. Yeah, that is weird. Although I think I'm in that same situation with Legion right now, so... Oh, that reminds me, uh, while I was sorting through stuff, there was a box of old childhood materials that my parents brought over when they moved back down to California. And uh, there was old uh, Mattel Star Wars stuff, maybe? I don't remember the, Hmm. the manufacturing company, but now have a very large Millennium Falcon X-Wing TIE Fighter and snow speeder that will make good uh legion props nice nice all right so with the weekend hobby completed let's get into orcs orcs so orcs, orcs is the best orcs are a classic fantasy monster so but where do they come from mushrooms well, I, I mean, like, mythologically, fan, like, where is the folklore for orcs? Um, uh, in a book. In several books, actually. <laughs> uh, so the oldest entomology for it is probably the Latin word orcus, uh, which is sort of defined as being a goblin specter or hell devil in a 10th century glossary. Um, some people, there are some claims that it was the name for, it was a name for Pluto, uh, you know, one of the deities of the underworld. Um, there's others that, other, like, old texts that refer to it as, um, being like a specter or goblin or a devouring monster. Um, in Beowulf, there is a sequence, uh, using, there's a sequence that goes... Tianon unteres ele unwokon, eternus und yifil und orknies, swicke gigantis pawel good runon, lage prehe him oes lin fugild. Sorry, I don't speak English. Which, I am not an expert in Old English, so I probably mangled that whole thing. It just sounds cool. 
Uh, but translated that, thence all evil brews were born, ogres and elves and evil spirits. The giants also, who long time fought with God, for which he gave them their reward. Uh, and so in this, the Orkneus is translated as evil spirits. And it's sort of a weird, like, loose translation. But it is one that was memorable to a certain... Uh, linguist and folklorist and uh author george r r, r. martin nope i said linguist <laughs> george r r martin has like none of that he does not teach old english and read beowulf in its original form not enough f-bombs in beowulf i mean if you modernized it i'm sure there would be quite a few but <laughs> There happened to be a professor named J.R.R. Tolkien, who was a big fan of Old English and a big fan of the poem Beowulf in particular. And he like, has directly stated that that, was one of, that term there was one of the things he borrowed from when uh, working on the monsters for his story. And, uh, you know, he borrowed from that to create the elvish words of orc which was sort of a monster or uh, um, ogre demon and was in some of the earliest Elvish dictionaries. Uh, so orcs were then what his one of his monsters. Um, and in Lord of the Rings, the orcs are expanded on and talked quite a bit, like the orc folk, the, um, the black speech, the all the stuff that make orcs interesting and made orcs popular came from essentially Lord of the Rings using them as the primary baddies. Uh, orcs in Lord of the Rings are sort of vaguely human-shaped of various sizes. Uh, sometimes in, say, The Hobbit, they call them goblins, although as far as we know, goblins and orcs in Lord of the Rings are the same species. They're just kind of some, like, different types of it. Uh... They gobl orcs and goblins in this are described as ugly and filthy with a taste for human flesh, fanged, bow-legged, and long-armed, uh, and they don't like daylight. Uh, in The Two Towers, they introduce the Urukai, a more powerful, larger breed of orcs that are no longer afraid of daylight. Orcs plus um, one. Yes, they're bred by Saruman. Orcs in Lord of the Rings have multiple origin stories um it is not and it's you know because tolkien loved his mythology it's unclear as to which of these is true or you know which is like the actual tr one true origin story in fact again mythology some of them could be, more than one of them might be true um the three main uh descriptions is that they were brooded by morgoth uh essentially elves that were twisted and turned into monsters um that they were beasts who kind of got turned into more humanoid monsters or that they were like literally made from like nothing he just created them out of uh the ground well, bam, you exist. Yeah, uh, made them of slime by sorcery, bred from the heats and slimes of the earth. 
lava monsters. Uh, that's in the fall of Gondolin. Uh, when they first think. Uh, Tolkien also said at one point that, you know, orc females must exist. So we just don't see them. Um, there's a whole lot of questions about racism in relationship to orcs. Um, I would argue that Tolkien is not being racist with his orcs. Um, he, in fact, I would argue that he is creating them explicitly so that he doesn't have to have, like, a racist group. Yeah, cause I, don't, like, I don't think there's, like, you have the idea of, like, the men of the West and, like, the, quote, civilized world, but uh, I don't feel like there's really a whole lot of tropes that the Tolkien orcs fall into that would make them questionable. You could maybe say that of like the men of the east or the southrons yeah but um orcs themselves no it's like they are a genetically engineered baddie who are there to be wailed on yeah um i mean there is sort of the uh, that orcs are darker of skin and some of the descriptions include like slant eyes and stuff never so orcs some... are green they will always be green Orcs being green is more specific to the Warhammer universe and the Warcraft universe than it is Never. to standard orcs. Um, although we'll discuss that in further. Um, but also, Tolkien has said that, you know, like, in a world where, like, the great evils, the Sauron-type, like, cosmic evils don't exist, orcs would be on both sides of the conflict. Like, you would have good orcs and you would have evil orcs. Interesting. Um, Essentially, I mean, they kind of explore that a little bit in the Shadow of Mordor games because you have uh, orcs who basically team up or at least decide to follow a human ranger as like the strongest person around. So they follow up with him and they fight amongst themselves and fight, fight Mordor and stuff like that. Yeah. And even in uh, the two towers, one of the orcs like having when they find Frodo they think that oh he's been abandoned by his comrades and like thinks it's a bad thing it's like an elvish trick to abandon your comrades no one left behind yeah apparently the orcs find that immoral which is weird from a race of cannibals but that being said Tolkien kind of grappled with like what is the morality of orcs um morality he had a lot of questions. He had some issues with that. So the fact that he thought about it and was explicitly saying that, you know, orcs are not supposed to be a racist thing. Like, yeah, it's orcs as created. were not a, an explicitly racist thing. And we're in fact done with fairly good intentions. Um, even if their depiction kind of draws to mind some racist elements. I mean, I'd say Tolkien himself is probably one of the least uh, problematic fantasy authors of the 20th century. Probably. that era. I mean, he probably had his own idiosyncrasies and or things that would be cancelable nowadays, but as far as the time that he was around... I don't know. He like he wrote a lot of letters talking about stuff, and he was pretty progressive. Um, 
on a lot of issues. Um, yeah. Let's just say Tolkien's cool. Tolkien orcs are generically evil of sort of... They're not green skin. Their skin is described as being uh, sallow, so sort of grayish or pale um, for the most part, uh, depending on like where they live. Um, and they don't like the sunlight, so that makes a lot of sense. But that's where orcs, generally speaking, come from in common mythology. Or in common... I don't know if mythology is the right term. In pop culture. Orc, the origin of orcs is the Lord of the Rings. But that's not the only place you get orcs. You Woo! also get orcs in... Dungeons and Dragons! Yeah, boy. Which, obviously, you know, borrowed heavily from Tolkien, because that was one of the primary sources that inspired the game. And so in Dungeons and Dragons, orcs are brutish, aggressive, humanoid creatures. Uh, they tend to have greenish, grayish skin. Uh, they've had a variety of different like, histories and backstories, depending on what world they're on. Uh, typically, they worship uh, the god Grumsh uh, and a small pantheon of other gods right under him. And their afterlife in, afterlives involve going to a giant battleground where they will endlessly fight against other enemies of their god. Sounds fun. Uh, they do tend to be tribal, for the most part, they're not heavily civilized. They don't tend to build massive cities or develop new technologies. Um, their descriptions tend toward barbarian tribes of various types. Um, again, depending on the Dungeons & Dragons setting in particular, this can be good or bad. Some some of them are less just straight-up evil. Um Whereas some can, in fact, be racist, like, depictions. Um, orcs also, in Dungeons & Dragons, you have half-orcs, which kind of almost match up with the Urukai, where they're, like, orcs that have fewer weaknesses and are smarter because they've been mixed with human blood or whatever. Um, yeah, orcs typically don't get along with elves. This is true for just about every setting. I mean, Tolkien kind of started it by having elves and orcs be natural enemies, but it's been a go-to thing for everybody else. Um, I think it's the uh, tribal raiding party versus the highly civilized cities of the elves thing, which I guess you draw back to the historical comparison of like the Romans versus the Barbarians. I was going to say, uh, capitalist industrialist versus the, the forest hippie elves. No, no, no. I think it's less about, cause the orcs aren't industrialists. Um, they are now for the most part. <laughs> I, I would say it's instead the like fall of the Roman empire thing where the barbarian tribes would sweep in and destroy the cities that the Romans built. Which is more of a pop culture thing, because a lot of times the barbarians would sweep in and occupy the cities, and then like three generations later, they would be the ones living in the cities when another wave of barbarians came in. Um, no, we were here first. 
yeah, that, uh, that's history tends to be more like that and less like, uh, just wave after wave of barbarians assaulting the same people. No, it's more they move in, they take over, they marry, you know, people get married in, and then a few generations later, somebody else shows up and everyone's like, oh no, people from outside, how terrible. <laughs> when in fact, it's just a repeat of what happened already. Um, the Norman conquest of England is perhaps an excellent example where the French conquer England and then a couple hundred years later, they go to war with France over, you know, stuff. And then it just becomes like the French people who had conquered England are now English nobility and they hate French. And the same thing had happened previously. It's just very, it, it's cyclical. There's no and true Scotsman, and there are no true Britons either. Because first they got wiped out by the Anglo-Saxons, and then the Anglo-Saxons got wiped out by the Normans. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I the Celts probably wiped out somebody when they first arrived too. Um, and it's all a big mish. Uh, so yeah, just just know that. Um, but yeah, Dungeons and Dragons orcs. There's so many different varieties and types. Uh, I think the primary thing that sort of links them is Grumpsh One Eye, is the god of the orcs. Uh, I believe in their like cosmology, his eye got removed by one of the elf gods, and that's why orcs hate elves so much. Um, Seems kind of petty. I mean, yeah, but also mythological gods are petty. Just look at Zeus. It's true. Uh, petty and horny. Yeah, also uh, true. So this then takes us out of Dungeons and Dragons and into another common pop culture fantasy setting. Warcraft. Woo! The world but also of... boo, because Activision's a terrible company. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Warcraft orcs are... I mean, they look exactly like... Uh, okay, Warcraft orcs are green-skinned. Um, they look like you might expect. They're the large, physically powerful, not as smart, kind of aggressive uh, race. They, in, in Warcraft mythology, they hail from the world of Draenor. Um, and they tried to invade Azeroth. Uh, through a portal and wage world on the native kingdoms until they were defeated. Um, there's a whole bunch of deep mythology here, but essentially they, the reason they were invading is because their world was basically a shattered, blasted wasteland and it kind of sucked. And they were being controlled by demons, maybe. And yeah, there's a whole bunch of dark, there's a whole bunch of mythology and even some time travel if you keep going down the, like, list of things that have happened to the orcs. Um, this was one of the settings and systems that really popularized the greenskin orcs. It wasn't the original one, uh, but it popularized, it made that more prominent in pop culture. And it also made, because it featured a lot of playable orcs, um, it had stories that made them less evil and more sort of shamanistic clan based and how that that could be interesting which is a nice step forward i would say um yeah i'm not a huge warcraft person so i don't know a lot of the details 
And the, uh, to be fair, the orcs in it are pretty much standard orcs. They, yeah. they did not go real deep into differentiating their orcs from the other ones that had already been established in uh, Dungeons and Dragons and from Tolkien. The green-skinned the... barbarians that raged through the portal. I think the thing that I liked most about the Warcraft orcs, and I wasn't, I played World of Warcraft for a long time, but I wasn't like huge deep into the lore. It was basically just an activity that I could do. Um, but I liked how the story kind of put orcs on par with basically humans and the other races. There wasn't any implications of like, oh, these orcs, they're lesser or like, you know, less unworthy than the Alliance races or anything like that. They were just different. Yeah, like I said, uh, the fact that you could play as the orcs and meant that they had to be sympathetic, they had to be understandable, and they had to have, like, reasonable ideas for what they were doing. And so it helped to... I don't know if humanize them is the right term, because they're, they're orcs, not humans. It helped to make them into interesting and not just straight-up evil bad guys. I mean, I always kind of sympathize with the Horde because the story always kind of came across as the, the quote, monstrous races banding together to not be exterminated by the humans and the elves. So I was yeah. always more of a Horde player. <laughs> They're just always like, leave us alone. I mean, to be fair... They did kind of start it by invading all the human lands and then claiming those lands as their own. Yeah, what's what's a little invasion? I mean, yeah. Let's not go into, like, historical parallels, because <laughs> um, that gets weird. Uh, but yeah, it's essentially the orcs in Warcraft are green skin, powerful built, slightly less advanced versions of the humans. And then the Horde is them plus all the races that they can get to band together with that are traditionally seen as monsters. Ogres, goblins, trolls, undead, I think. Yep. And uh, some other Tauren things. Or, uh, again, I never played the game, so I don't really know it all that well. Uh, the next one is the Elder Scrolls universe. We're getting into My video games My least favorite here. orcs, because they're kind of boring. Well, okay, the Elder Scrolls orcs, also known as the Awesomer, are, in fact, elves. What? The Elder Scrolls orcs are elves that have been cursed. Didn't know that. Yes, uh, much like the Dark Elves, the Dunmer, the Elder Scrolls orcs were one of the early tribes of elves... And they had some historical mythological shenanigans happening, and the Daedric prince that they followed lost a fight to another Daedric prince and was cursed, and the curse spread to his people, turning them into, like, green-skinned, tusk-monster-looking guys. But they are elves. Uh, they have the blood of elves in them. Um, so, yeah. So those orcs despite all that backstory, exists very much in the standard Dungeons & Dragons tradition of tribal societies. They're good at hunting and fighting. Um, 
they're generally looked down upon as being kind of dumb. Although that's honestly not really the case in a lot of, at least in the modern age, that's not really the case. Um, a lot of them worked for the Imperial Legion, uh, which saw great use in having orc shock troops among its ranks. Um, Always useful. So yeah, orcs in Elder Scrolls are technically elves. The other elves look down on them, of course. They they claim they're not elves, but to be fair, all the races in the Elder Scrolls, and this is something worth talking about if we ever do an episode that's specifically about the Elder Scrolls, can be split into one of three categories, and that's elves, humans, and beast folk. Yeah, um, I guess that works. Yeah. There, and there's mythological reasons for all of that as well. Um, so yeah, Elder Scrolls orcs aren't all that interesting. They have their own kingdom, uh, Osimirium, uh, which is part of the Empire in the same way that Skyrim is. As in they don't want to be part of the Empire? Uh, they're more chill about it. I don't think they're currently at war with the Empire over anything. It's just sort of the ancestral homeland of the orcs got integrated into the Empire back in the day, and it's an area where you're still going to have more orcs than anybody else in the same way that Skyrim has more Nords than anybody else. Um, and that's, you know, they've got strongholds and clans and stuff that run around in those mountains. Um, I mean, it's in the same vein that the dwarves in uh, the Elder Scrolls universe are, again, elves. Oh, yeah, that's right. Just very the short Dwemer. elves. The Dwemer are elves. They just call them dwarves because uh, they went underground. Um, but they, they went are underground and of then they died. Well, they died? Question mark. They fucked with a deity. They they tried to maybe ascend by building an artificial god, and it fucked with them. <laughs> uh, look. The mythology around the Dwemer is cool and interesting and is definitely something we'll talk about if we do an Elder Scrolls episode, which I guess we have to do an Elder Scrolls episode now. Probably. I definitely can't write that one. I don't know enough about the Elder Scrolls. Oh, I'll write it because I'm a huge Morrowind fan. The More best Morrowind. Elder Scrolls. All right. So now we get into the orcs that you like so much. <laughs> the the Warhammer and Warhammer 40k orcs. The best orcs. They are certainly a different breed of orcs. In part because, well, their skin is green, and is always full-on green. Um, and they are explicitly mushroom people. Yep. Orcs in, these, in the Warhammer and Warhammer 40k universe are spawned from spores. Uh, that go into the ground and grow up as mushrooms. And then, like, they grow... Uh, the, the spores grow a mushroom, and then the orc is grown beneath this and then comes out. Um, Which I don't understand how that... I'm assuming that in the 40k universe, natural selection still applies. But the way that it works is, like, when the orc dies, it releases its spores to create new orcs. But... The orcs that get killed are usually the weakest orcs because orcs get bigger and stronger the longer they keep living and the more things they kill. 
So the only thing I can think of is that it's like some kind of reverse natural selection to like keep their numbers in check and that only the weak ones reproduce to produce weak orcs. And then you have like the very rare ultra strong orc that becomes the leader. Um, I don't know if that's actually the case. I was under the impression that orcs just were constantly releasing a small amount of spores. That could um, also it wasn't be true. specifically when they died, uh, in which case, like, they, you just get orcs whenever you've had orcs on a planet, which is a <laughs> notable orcs? thing in 40k. Because that's how you get orcs. It, once orcs have been to a planet, you constantly have a small number of orcs, uh, like, always there, no matter how much you try to burn them out. Um, but Exterminatus. Yeah, unless you exterminatus the world. Usually it's manageable and serves as something of like a training and practice. Guard something to do. Well, it serves as a training and practice element for the PDF and the Imperial Guard to like manage the orc population that appears on a world. Usually because a native orc population that's managed doesn't have access to advanced weaponry. The unless they think orc really hard about it. Well, it's, they have to have the pieces to think that they have the weapons. <laughs> uh, the orcs in this are... The orcs in Warhammer 40k are mushroom people that are collectively psychic. And when you get enough of them together, their sort of collective unconscious psychic power allows them to bend reality in weird and sort of... Helpful if they believe ways. if they believe hard enough it becomes true yes they believe that their stuff works in a specific way and if there's enough of them all believing this it happens this is why orc vehicles painted red go faster because all orcs know the red one goes faster it's true um it's science this is true for a number of things uh it's also can be used against them if they think an orc is invincible and it gets and that orc is killed it kind of breaks it, it's the suspension of disbelief is broken and the orcs will panic and flee no my dream is um, being crushed yes and of course there is constant infighting among the orcs because their society isn't really a society it's just whoever's strongest is in charge and if you can prove that you're stronger by beating up the person who's strongest you can be in charge uh, they do have some level of, like, trade with Tief as the primary, like, currency. Um, let's just go ahead and say orcs in the Warhammer setting tend to be a comedic relief and tend to be based a little bit on soccer hooligans because the game is British. Um, they're the silly faction. They're also, you know superhumanly tough and superhumanly strong and they build machines out of junk and you know have chants before they go into battle and worship two gods gork and mork one of whom is brutally cunning and the other whom one is cunningly brutal um and they all kind of disagree on which one is which still by far the um, best 40k faction they are a fun 40k faction and a fun faction in Warhammer Fantasy and Age of Sigmar as well, where all of this basically applies to the same extent, except they have various tribes that do all these things. Um, 
and they're slightly more shamanistic instead of whatever you would call the, uh, like, techno-barbarian ones from the uh, sci-fi version of the game. Techno-barbarians, that, yeah, that applies. Yeah, I'd call them techno-barbarians, because they are barbarians, but they use spaceships. Um, they don't fully understand how their spaceships work, they just do. Uh, I would also say that the best Warhammer 40k comic ever is the Death Squadron uh, black and white comic book about uh, orc fighter pilots. I'll have to look for that one. I have not read that yet. Hands down, best 40k comic ever. Huzzah! It, it's based heavily off of like World War II movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's like Sink the Grimlug or... You know, the battle for someone's the battle for Bad Skull Valley or something like that. You know, it's just very, very silly. And uh yeah. It it needs more DACA. Always needs more DACA. More DACA. And the last thing we're really gonna talk about in regards to orcs is uh one of the sort of weird variations of them, which is the depiction of orcs in Japanese games and manga and anime. Which is different from the Western depiction, as Japanese orcs tend to be pig monsters. Oink, oink, oink. Uh, you'll notice this if you play certain Japanese games or read their comics or watch their anime or whatever, that the goblins look like the goblins, and then they'll have hobgoblins, which look more like traditional orcs. But when they have orcs show up, they tend to have pig faces. Um... And there's a reason for that. And the reason is the game Dragon Quest II, which came out in 1987 and was one of the, like, formative and massively popular games of the era, like one of the early fantasy games. And it was also one that had full art for all the monsters. And in it, the orcs were pig monsters. And that sort of set the standard for what orcs were, because remember, in the 80s, you didn't have as much fantasy art available, and it's certainly not available on an easy thing like a Google search. So when people wanted to know what an orc looked like, they would look at the game that they had, that everyone had heard of and see that orcs were pig monsters. And that sort of became the cultural consciousness orc for Japan. I know no, you're not I have a not huge played Dragon Quest 2 because I tend not to play JRPGs from the 80s. But I have heard that it's considered one of the like it, it that it's an important game that lots of people have played it. Dragon Quest is fun. They're they're kind of goofy derpy games as far as uh RPGs go. I'd say they're probably the least serious. At least least serious on the face. Yeah, the less working together to kill God at the end. Uh, yeah. Alright, so more of a traditional kind of silly fantasy. Um, I know you're not as big a fan of the uh, pig monster orcs, uh, but they're ones that I like from time to time. I'm not... Mm, it's It's not that I'm not a fan of them. I certainly understand why they like why that became a thing. 
Uh, and it's neat to know specifically why so many of that them look like that. It it also provides a better distinction between orcs and goblins, uh, something mm-hmm. that occasionally gets lost in other in more Western fantasy stuff. It it just doesn't match up with the Tolkien and early mythological and like pre-Tolkien folklore descriptions of orcs, which have you, nothing to do with boars or pigs at all. If you need to know the difference between an orc and a goblin, goblin small, orc big. Generally speaking, yes. Unless it's Tolkien, in which case they're both both. In which case orcs and goblins are interchangeable and just different names for the same thing. Um, but yeah, that's the gist of orcs. Ed, anything you want to add in regards to orcs? Uh, if you haven't, you should play orcs, especially in your 40k. It makes 40k a lot more fun. I would also note that there are some books and stuff that have come out that are from the orcish perspective in fantasy. Uh, I believe there's one that's just called orcs. But also uh, one from, I think, the 90s called Grunts, which focuses on orcs as being the frontline soldiers in a, like, fantasy war thing. Um, That one's a comedy. The orcs get AKs. Nice. Because they find a dragon's lair full of stuff that's been looted from other worlds. Um, I I enjoyed that one. Orcs with helicopters. They're the least grimdark. Yeah. Honestly, 40k could use less grimdark because the grimdark gets in the way of the of the perfectly good satire that's already there. Technically speaking, I think the Tau are the least grimdark, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah, I don't have a witty comeback for that one. Look, the orcs still use skulls on their logos. <laughs> the Tau do not. Therefore, Tau are less grimdark. Grimdark communism. (laughs) Look, uh, you can rank the, like, grim darkness of a faction by how many skulls are available on its models. Maybe, maybe once uh, the Tau equivalent of Stalin sets in, they'll start getting some more skulls. I don't think so. I think they don't want the Tau to go that direction so that people who don't want to put skulls on all of their units can have something to do. And I mean, something to do besides Eldar. I guess Eldar don't really have skulls either. They have jewels. Eldar have like hearts and stuff. It's weird. Yeah, they get the weird heart symbol and then jewels. And Dark Eldar are nothing but they skulls. They get skulls. They get all the skulls and all the spikes. Um, yeah. So, in any case, that's orcs. Stay orky. Now, we have a segment on this podcast called Board Game Corner, where we talk about a board game that we like. Board games! And today, I'm going to talk about Ravine. Haven't heard of that one. cooperative card game. It is a strategic and cooperative survival card game. The gist of it is uh, the players are were passengers on a plane that crashed on a mysterious island and need to work together to forage for food, craft a fire, build shelters, and so on and so forth to survive. Uh, you have to survive a certain number of nights before rescue shows up. Um, and as it goes on, it can get, like, you each day and each night, um, something happens. 
and if you don't have uh and you like lose health bar you have like a little section of hearts which you gain more by eating food you lose them if you spend the night in the open without a fire or a swarm of bees attacks or a bear attacks or something um and you can also lose like sanity points like a mental fatigue thing that can lead you to madness where you go insane and you have to draw an insanity card and do what it says on the card uh, also, sometimes you can eat the wrong type of mushroom and get weird effects. Surprise, it's an orc. No, it's more like you eat a mushroom and now you uh, can't talk. Or you, you like have to uh, attack the people next to you or something. It's, a, um, it's an interesting game. It's a good co-op, like, short game. I played it on lunch breaks with people at one of my jobs at one point. Because uh, you can play it in like 20 minutes pretty easily. Um, and it's a nice little, nice design. It's from the people who brought, who created the Space Team game. Which is a much more, much louder game mm -hmm. about being in a spaceship and trying to fix things. Does this one uh, come with cards for the conch shell and the glasses? I don't believe it does. They missed an opportunity there. Yeah, uh... I would recommend it. It was originally kickstarted successfully in 2017. Um, but you can find it at game stores. I have seen it at game stores as recently as last week. Woo! And that is our show. As always, thank you for listening. Uh, like, subscribe, etc. Don't follow us on Twitter, because fuck Twitter. I mean, um, you, you can, but my shit posting has dried up same um yeah follow us on instagram though because we're still there even though they're run by facebook and facebook is another evil mega corporation the worst cyberpunk dystopia <sighs> yeah this is a fucked up like cyberpunk dystopia but you can't really but it's boring and the only led stuff is people's game gaming pcs Letting us, letting us down, mega corporations. Yeah. I mean, Gibson was right. The future is here. It's just not evenly distributed. Yep. Um, yeah. Do the things Ed's about to tell you. Oh, boy. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram and Animadness. I might have some more 3D printing stuff showing up there, but it could also be video games. Who knows? Uh, you can go ahead and if you're still on Twitter, take a look at uh, Tenacious Unicorn Ranch and support their uh, winter clothing drive for the Pine Ridge uh, reservation. Uh, you can support your local drag show, buy some tickets, uh, keep the Nazis away, uh, support your Red Crosses for the Ukrainians and the Armenians, and go Knowles. And don't cross picket lines. Yeah, don't cross. Don't cross picket lines. Uh, get yourself some beans and rice for the rail strike yeah go Knowles go Knowles <laughs>